Hey everybody, Jay Shlansky here from the Fifth Trooper Network. I just want to take a moment to thank you for checking out this show. Did you know that over at thefifthtrooper.com we have tons of other content, including blogs, other podcasts, all kinds of stuff. In addition, if you want access to exclusive content, you can join us on patreon.com slash thefifthtrooper and join at any level and you'll get access to uh, exclusive blog articles, access to our private Discord, and much more. So please, Check us out, and thank you so much for all your support. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello, and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Jay. Hey, what's up? Hey, I'm here with just Jay, which means this is a potty, ugh, great uh, hobby episode. Yes, that is what this is. Sorry, I took I took a moment there to answer you because just as we were talking, uh, I saw Atomic Mass post something. I was like, please be Legion. <laughs> no, it's not. It's MCP. So uh, still a hobby episode. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah we um i mean we, look we got a big news dump at mini extravaganza yes, for sure uh, yeah which we've talked all about that stuff since um but we have not done a proper hobby episode in a while so that's what yeah. we're gonna do today yeah um yeah and before we start that uh just a little thing if you guys get a chance we uh if you're into like rpg podcasts we launched yep. a new rpg podcast called iron and tentacles it's a cthulhu uh themed rpg podcast uh it's audio only right now so you can search it up on wherever you get your audio podcasts and uh yeah just do me a favor check it out um it's a bunch of us from from the our network here plus we brought in another one of the Stabcast members on it as well ben and uh aj ajst's wife is actually on it so we yeah we have a whole group it's pretty pretty great it's been a ton of fun and uh this week so tomorrow if you're listening to this on tuesday on wednesday our official episode one comes out we put out uh last week we put out episode zero which was kind of boring but just kind of going over the rules of the rpg i know some people really like that part of rpg podcast so we're going over the rules kind of introducing you to the world that, that we're playing in and then uh this week starts the first official podcast so it's uh my favorite thing is the game that we're playing it's called octoon cthulhu and it's like how they sell just like have you ever wanted to punch a nazi in the face and it's just like here's the it's like so it's all during like world war ii and basically what's happening is um you have world war ii going on uh -huh. like hitler and the nazis aren't the worst thing that's happening is that uh based on historical accuracy you know hitler was definitely like looking into the occult and stuff back then. yeah hence all the indiana jones movies and yeah right right yeah Yep. And just trying to find anything he could that would give them a leg up to win. And so this uh, this basically says, yeah, they found it and they have been like awakening, you know, the deep and Cthulhu and all these ancient uh -huh. like, uh, you know, mythos creatures and stuff. And so uh, the Americans and the British have to like create these two secret agencies that have to go fight 
you know, to stop them from like releasing and like ending our world, basically. It's super cool. Um, and so yeah, if you like it, if you like that sort of stuff, it's very pulpy. So it's like Captain yeah. America and Inglorious Bastards and you know, like all that like pulp World War Two stuff. Um, it's very much in line with that. So yeah, go check it out. We've got a good group of players and uh it's a ton of fun and and yeah, we've been really enjoying ourselves. So it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um I've yeah. always enjoyed that like Cthulhu uh, like setting. Yeah, yeah me um, too. So well and this, you know, this one's it's fun uh because of the pulp side. So like a lot of the Cthulhu stuff like RPGs like Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green, it's very like, hey, it's Kyle and Jay, just like some normal dudes that maybe are like have some background that like helps them like one, you know, maybe one works at a newspaper or the other one's a cop or something, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and they're just in this world. Uh, and then all of a sudden some insane stuff happens and they have to mentally deal with that and then try to like stop it at the same time, <laughs> you know, which is uh, this is this Octoon Cthulhu is more like, yeah, no, we got it. We know what's going on. And, but we're going to use the magic and the mythos and like, you know, there's all like, you, you know, there's characters that could tap into like the powers of Thor. And so there's all these other like mythic stuff going on, which is, which is pretty sweet. So. Yeah. That sounds one of the things that I, one of my favorite RPG systems. And I know this is a hobby episode. But, no, no, it's fine. Sorry, folks will have to deal with the RPG opening here. They can skip through. Yeah, is uh, Shadowrun. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I like it is because it's kind of like a self-aware mashup of everything ridiculous about sci-fi and fantasy all at the same time. Mm. Um, In a way that's also like a little bit self-mocking, which is really funny. But uh, I love that kind of stuff because like, you know, it, it's just it's all the things that you love all at once yeah. at some point somebody was like why can't we do that and we're like i don't know let's just do it <laughs> yeah. um this sounds very similar where it's like it is hey, yeah you know you want a world war ii setting for the historical nuts check you want the cthulhu stuff for like all that you know like check okay you want superheroes with like captain america and <laughs> thor style stuff check yeah you know, why not let's just yeah. throw it all in one setting and they, see what happens they even have like a race of aliens too that like <laughs> are in so they're you know because cthulhu is from like another dimension type yeah, of stuff yeah. but like these aliens are in our dimension on another planet but they worship one of the one of the mythos eldritch gods or whatever yeah. so and have created portals that have brought them to our world so it's it's just amazing it um I think it's like um if you watched uh, Lovecraft Country, it's like yeah. all the like really cool stuff that was going on in there. Um, yeah, it's very much that, very pulpy, very like oh, I'm gonna you know, you just run and gun type of stuff. HP uh, Lovecraft meets Marvel meets yeah, yeah. World War Two. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So, so anyways, if you want to, Iron and Tentacles is the name of the podcast. Please check it out uh, and just give us a listen and and let me know what you think. Um, yeah. I'm very excited about it. So awesome. I wish that I could do it, but alas. Yeah. My... It's hey, we all like playing games. You know, if I could if yeah. we could do like a podcast that was like playing Legion, I probably would do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I guess that's a battle report. That would but, that's literally what it would be. Yeah. 
Or you could do what Stabcast <laughs> does, where they do like the post-battle report and description of their games or whatever. Yep. I meant like play the game. Right. Yeah, I got you. That yeah. would be, yeah, it would be, a, I guess it wouldn't be a battle report so much as just a live stream of a game. Yeah, I guess it would. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Which people mm. would probably watch. We've done that before. Yeah, we have. Some people watch it. Yeah. Not everybody. That's, yeah. Well, folks, if that's something you want to see us do again, let us know. Yeah. You can let us know. I don't know if we'll do it, but you can t- <laughs> tell us if you want to see it. Maybe. <laughs> we'll take it into consideration. I mean, yeah. we, we we do like actually take stuff from the yep. podcast topics section of our Patreon. That's one of the most useful channels for me anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. So. Especially lately. Yeah, it's yep. been very helpful to us because Kyle will be like, what do we want to talk about? And we're like, I don't know, head into podcast topics. Yep. And then we we grab some stuff, so it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So if you want to suggest some topics, do that. Yep. That's on uh, our Discord, our Patreon Discord. That's on the so Patreon you can, Discord. You can join yep. up on Patreon and enter our Discord and throw us some topics. Yeah, and come talk yep. to us about everything else. It'll be fun. Yep. All right. Uh, hobby. Yeah. So Let's we're going to talk that. about a couple things today. Some of this is going to be like extremely basic. Um. But this is technically like a hobby 101 thing. Yes. And and a lot of these tips are so one of the things we're going to talk about today is assembly, like literally how to put the minis together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I, have, I have changed my tune on this a thousand percent. So this okay. is a great topic. Yeah, I think it's a great topic because people have differing opinions on this. Mm-hmm. I have seen people post like I've seen a lot of frustration posts specifically around like B1s and minis like that, but we're getting oh, a lot of yeah. more spindly things with connection, you know? So um, I think it's, I think it's a worthwhile topic, even though it seems super basic. Uh, we're going to talk about blending and the different types of things that you can do with blending, which is obviously quite a bit more advanced than assembly, but also kind of a one-on-one hobby thing. And then Jay, um, you've been trying to put together some ideas for a table. Yeah. So I'd, before we hit assembly or blending, I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I think, I, I think I've said this on, on here before, Uh. but if I haven't on the podcast, I, I definitely have told a lot of people, I, I think my favorite thing about any miniatures game, but star Wars game, the Legion in particular is, is, making terrain like that's probably one of my favorite things to do it always has been uh you know even when i was playing like D D, I used to i used to make like terrain features and and try to build like actual three-dimensional boards and stuff yep. like that it's one of my favorite things to do um i i try to as much as i can of as as much as i love 3d printing and resin printers i i, I try to avoid 3d printed boards um when I'm, you know, unless I'm in a hurry and I, I need a table or something, you know, yeah. for, for a tournament. Um, but yeah, I, I love the process and the hobby. And, and so, um, I was watching, uh, episodic TV show on, uh, Disney plus it's like, uh, there's two, there's the Imagineers, like it talks about, how the Imagineers started and like what they do all the way up to basically modern times. And I was just watching and like when they build, for instance, when they're doing like designing star Wars land, right. Galaxy's edge, uh, 
they actually build it as a model and they build it in multiple scales. So they build like almost a legion. Well, first it's like a, like a little model, like that would fit on an eight and a half by 11. Like, okay, here's the planning, blah, 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 blah. And then the next one is a center for ants. Yeah. 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 A, f- a flea circus. Uh, yeah. And then, um, then the next one is almost like a legion table size. And then the next one is like the size of your garage. And, you know, so they, they, so that they could get all the details. Right. Yeah. And anyways, <clears throat> I was watching this, and I was just like, and watching some of their techniques and they, you know, they don't go deep into it, but you can watch the videos and kind of, you know, if you're, if you've done similar stuff, you get a gauge of what they're doing. But anyways, I was watching this and then I noticed in one of them and I, Rachel is getting mad. Cause I was like rewinding it. Wait, 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 wait. I got, I got to watch that again. And, and they had it where it was modular. Right. And I was like, huh, that's, you know, I think we've all thought about modular tables, but the question that came to my mind was one, I would love to design like a movie prop modeled table for Legion, right. That's just completely beautiful and immersive. But then the other problem is, and I, you know, our buddy Jim Martin can attest to this is he builds these beautiful tables, but is how do you do that? But also make it not only, playable competitively but also replayable right um those those are the big ones right where even if it's not something you take it to a tournament or adepticon or something what's something i could put together here at at my house and that you know evan and i can play on once a week and and never have an advantage because of a table side we've played like 13 times you know but and i know most of you would say well jay just use one of your mats that you design and put you know movable terrain on it i want to build something that's like the whole thing's immersive from from the ground up but also i want it to be modular so i can move it around you know and i'm just been thinking a lot about this and how how to go about it and i think what i've come up with is it's twofold. I think you would have to, you you start with the, the ground itself, right? So that would have to be modular and you could do that in like, you could do one foot by one foot squares. That's, that's a little small, but you know, you could, you know, you, you have these modular bases that can move around, but that means they all have to fit together. So it's going to have to be like, if you have hills, you're going to have to either have that in one little module or you have multiple modules that can be rearranged for hills or something, you know, like, um, so I've been thinking a lot about that. And then the, and then for buildings and stuff, you know, I almost wonder you'd have to do it in a way where same as how you would build a regular table, right. Where you have basically have like three levels of terrain. You have kind of, kind of your scatter you know little boxes and you know things like that you have your barricade slash cover you know hardcover level and then and then you have basically your the next level is area or you know line of sight blocking i think those two kind of where it's just a permanent it's like okay that's where that's a building that's it's sitting there you know that's that's something i need to think about and I just wonder 
do you build the do you build that stuff into each little module section in a way that you could move the whole modular section so it may have been on you know your your right hand far right corner side of the table this game and then i can switch it up and now it's in the middle you know so i i think that might be the best way to do it is each modular piece, whatever that size is, whether it's one by one or wh or whatever, but those are all constructed fully. They don't move. You don't pick up the terrain. It just, it's all on there. Or if you do pick it up, there's an easy way to like, and then place it back exactly where it was, you know, maybe with some magnets or something. And like, you know, if it's a building, what you could do is you, you know, you have maybe the, just as an example, right? Maybe you have like, bricks or stone or something for a foundation and the building slides into the foundation but like if you need to see if you can see something you could just pull the building up but but it still leaves like the outline of the building there you know with the foundation something mm -hmm. like that just been thinking a lot about that yeah i think those are the most challenging types of tables to build yeah just because for stuff that is modular like you said it needs it needs to fit together in a way that is variable if you don't yeah. want it to be exactly the same every time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd have to put a lot of work into the design part of it before you actually started building anything. For sure. Um, that's definitely not one of those situations where you can get halfway through and be like, you know, I think maybe I'll try this yeah. instead. Um, well, and that's, that's where um, that like the prototypes right like yep. disney did the imagineers do before they actually go build a set or or a, a land or whatever right like i think you would have to do that like you'd have to i'd have to like design it with like paper cut out and then okay and rearrange what if i move this here what if i did you know what i mean and then then go okay that's good i'm gonna build a you know a, a scale model of that which you know could be like a might be 19 by like 12 or something or 20 by 12 you know and then okay oh yep this works all right great i'm gonna go full scale now and go to the legion scale but yeah i mean i was just thinking about like you know you could do area terrain like what you could do is have an area on the where it's a different type of flock or grass but it's very like clear lot you know line between that and then you could put the trees on top of that for like forest area or whatever yeah. you know um yeah i've just been thinking a lot about this because i i just one of the best things when you're at a tournament at a convention or something right is people come over and because of the terrain like sometimes yep. for the models if you have an atst or an aat or, or t47 out or something right some of the bigger uh models they'll come take a look at those but for the most part they see a familiar or what they think is familiar you know like oh that look, that looks like endor i should what is what are they doing over there and then they come talk to you right yep and i would just and and one of my favorite things about jim martin's tables is how like beautiful they are like his scarif table is probably one of the, the most beautiful tables i've ever seen mm -hmm. um yep. And I don't think he would disagree with what I'm about to say, but it's very difficult to play on because it's it's not, you know, he brings it to all these competitive tournaments, but it's not really like super competitive uh, balanced. But but how could you do that? You know, and that's just basically what I've been thinking a lot about. And, and like, 
I just want to build a beautiful table and like have it playable and take it to a convention and have everybody be like, oh yeah, that was really good to play on, you know? So I think a good candidate for that potentially mm-hmm. could be Hoth. Um, because trenches are one of those things that just never really quite look right when they're done as like a piece of terrain that you just put on a flat surface. Um, but there's something that's a good candidate to like put into a modular table. Yeah. And I, th- I think that you could, you know, trenches are also like, as long as you make your connection points in yeah. consistent spots, it's one of those things where you can kind of like flip them around and switch them around and you can have trenches that connect from yeah. one piece to the next in different configurations. Um, so yeah, I think Hoth could potentially be a good candidate for that. I've seen a couple of people attempt Hoth tables with like dug in trenches that look pretty good. Yeah. Uh, with various degrees of variability on the setup, obviously. But um, yeah, I think Hoth could potentially be a good candidate for that. And um, with with some other stuff, unless you're trying to create like hills or like elevation changes or something that's like down into the table surface, it feels like kind of more effort than it's worth to to do a table setup like that. Um, but yeah, for something like Hoth or something else like that where you have trenches or some other thing that like goes down into the table surface, that seems like that would be a good candidate for what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But that, you know, it's funny when you were saying that just in my head, I'm like, yeah, that does seem like the easiest one. Therefore, I shouldn't do it. that does not seem nearly as impressive enough kyle i'm just like yeah you could definitely do it then like do something else Um, i think that'd be pretty darn impressive even if it was hoth i want to take Um, it to another level kyle okay well that's there was um god i forgot the planet but one of the planets in jedi fallen order it was like um it had like grass and snow and these really cool buildings um, and like an imperial outpost. Mm. And um, I always wanted to build that one. Like it was just so neat, like such a like cool concept, you know? Um, but then, you know, the, the other problem with this too is not problem, but one of the, I think one of the things when you're building this too, is right with the, the, the new rules with cover and line of sight and everything you know they lend themselves to more like clear delineated surfaces and like straight edges and stuff right so how do you how do you also you know build that into the table too where you're like you know when you do that trees are easy because it's area so you say uh you know okay that's area forest so that's gonna you know wherever that line of that flocking is if i've drawn a line through that that's cover you know uh buildings become a little bit more difficult especially if they're like if they're built into the table surface yeah and so like i part of me was thinking like you could almost do stone uh in the ground around the building in like a very like solid some sort of a like a rectangle or partial rectangle or something and just be like Hey, if it's stone, we're considering that part of the building, which means it's line of sight blocking and you know, you know what I mean? And you can just right. you'd have to you'd have to create a way yeah. so that the terrain features could be easily identifiable from the table surface. Um yeah. 
yeah i which, mean which could kind of defeat the purpose yeah <laughs> i guess but yeah well and yeah, i know the... this is an oversimplification but like i was talking to somebody recently who's newer to the game and they're like so what how do i deal with cover and line of sight i go basically just treat everything as it's 2d and you just go okay did i draw a line through this yes then i have that cover yeah like i mean i know that's an oversimplification but you know yeah basically yeah you know it's just okay just look bottom down everything's 2d draw a line through it do you see do you, it does it go through that because at this point you know the where and the silhouette or it just it just doesn't matter most As of the time it does most not. of the time yeah. I, you know, speeder you know t47s and atsds are a little bit different but atst not really uh the speeders because of the they're these the little cylinder pies yeah. around around the speeder itself you know versus the whole like huge cylinder yep yeah, most of the time it's just 2D. Yeah. Yep. Which, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to turn this into a cover discussion. Yeah, you're right. All right. I'm sorry. You're, um, right. you're right. You're right. I apologize. Yep. I was just thinking about it from a terrain perspective. No, so, like, I was thinking, well, like, which is, which is relevant. Right. And but, from a, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, from a terrain perspective, for those that are looking to make tables, even if they're not thinking as ambitious as you are, Jay. Um, the new cover rules do not work as well with things that don't have clean, straight, smooth edges uh, mm. or terrain pieces that are not as easily defined on the edges. So like if you're trying to make stuff that is more functional or less dysfunctional, depending on how you want to look at it with the new cover and line of sight rules, it behooves you to make pieces that have like yeah. uh, uniform shapes and smooth edges, basically. Yep. Um, think like a speedball for a paintball. Think like a speedball arena versus you know just like playing paintball in the woods. Basically, that's that's what the the new t cover rules are going to be more functional with. Um, so yeah, well, that's what okay. So like, imagine you have a building, right, and it has it has like a a a basement or whatever whatever you want to call it, but then maybe around it in the ground or like is like a stone walkway. That just kind of goes around the building, like, you know, not very far from it, maybe like a quarter of an inch or half an inch or something. Uh -huh. And then that's just and then you just go, OK, that stone walkway is the building. So then any of the overhangs and whatever, like little edges you have on the building, they just don't matter. It's yeah. just the stone. It's just that little stone walkway around it. That's your shape that you're 2D drawing through. Right. So the footprint of the building is essentially a rectangle, even if yeah. what's inside that rectangle has variable exactly shape yeah yep that's the best way i could come up with it yep and then i just remembered the planet it's zepho zepho yeah that yeah. sounds right yep that was i don't know why but that just like that planet just struck me i think because like it had all these mountains and like waterfalls but it also had like snow on the ground with grass yep. and it was just like I don't know. And then the Imperial, you know, rent, like the Imperial base that was there was just super cool. And I, the whole thing was just really neat. In general, the Fallen Order planets are all really interesting looking. Yeah. Um, all right. Anyways. Yeah. So that was my whole 
We'll see. You know, I always get super, I, I'm sure we're all like this, where I've just like, I get this crazy idea. I get super ambitious about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll see where it goes from here, but you know, that's what, that's where I'm at. Yep. <laughs> right now. Yeah. I'm with you. And sometimes, sometimes it gets followed through on and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall we talk about, let's do assembly first. Cause I feel like that's a, yeah more more one-on-one topic than blending um so i think there's there's kind of two separate lines here right the first is is your mini hard plastic on a sprue or not because there still are some legion minis that that come in these bad boys here this is this is a bag of body parts basically <laughs> um i think this one what is this one? Oh, this is a snow trooper that i have not assembled yet for some reason um if you've got yourself a bag of body parts all you really need to do is take some super glue and put them in the joints and shove them together yep uh it may not look great um that's like so that's the quickest way to get it to the table uh i have noticed a couple things with with these with the soft plastic the first is that the joints don't always fit cleanly and sometimes you have to use some kind of filler to like fill in the cracks if you don't want there to be gaps at like the shoulders or wherever else the joints are sometimes you have to like so what we mean by filler for those that don't know there's several different ways to do this you could just use like a thicker glue like elmer's glue um if it's like a really thin gap that doesn't need a lot of stuff in it, you could mm. use, uh, if it's a ginormous one, you could use green stuff, which is a Games Workshop Citadel product, but it's basically like a putty. Um, yeah, so have some right here. It's like Play-Doh. You have two two colors. Yeah. You have yellow and blue. You mix them together. It makes green, green stuff. Uh, yep. And uh, there's a lot of other ones that put it out too, uh, but not just, you don't have to get Citadel. A bunch of people put it out now, but but yeah. uh, you make green and it makes a green and then you, you form it in and you can use water. You put water on your finger and you can kind of smooth it out yep. and then, you know, put it in the crack to, to make it match uh, the rest of the thing. They also have liquid green stuff, which is yes. kind of good too. Yeah, I've actually tried liquid green stuff. I was less impressed with it. Um, yeah. Well, because I, I think it's more for what you were first pointing out with with the Elmer's glue. Yeah, with the for the really it's for really small gaps. Yeah, but I think yeah. in all of our heads, because it was green stuff, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna put this in this huge hole. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's that's no. not what it's for. <laughs> that's not what it's for. <laughs> yeah. If you've got a big gap, which will happen on some of these soft plastic models, and you want to fill that gap. You know, you either need to shave down some plastic to make it fit better, or yeah. you need to use actual green stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. The other thing that you gotta keep in mind on these soft plastic models is a lot of them have mold lines. Yep. Which is basically that annoying little line that goes all the way down one side of the model. Um, and that's from you know when two halves of the molds smush together, and you get you get a line between the two halves of the mold. Uh, so if you don't want that to show up, you got to shave it off. And the best way to do that is just with a hobby knife. Yep. Um, I've also found um, you can get, so nail, you can get cardboard nail files from Walmart or wherever, right? Uh -huh. uh, and they'll have like a rough 
sandpaper side and then a fine sandpaper side and the i find that the fine sandpaper side is is actually really nice on the plastic like okay. and, and can pull some of those edges off pretty pretty quick and yeah, because it's... it's meant for nails it's meant for like a smaller surface so they're like good size and everything too yeah that's a great idea um i use a sanding block but it's definitely a little unwieldy in some of those situations so i might have to get some i'm sure my wife has some nail files that that's I where i got my steal. first one yeah yeah that was a rough um, day in the old shalansky household <laughs> <laughs> um all right so that is that is soft plastic yep um you will also need to glue them to the base with um super glue yep. do not use plastic glue on the soft plastic it will not nope. do anything literally nothing except get it liquidy Just, yep yeah um so yeah if you're if you're frustrated why your plastic is not sticking together with your soft plastic it's probably because you are using plastic glue and not yep. super glue <laughs> yeah and here's the positives of this there's negatives and positive for some reason the super glue though it sticks it doesn't stick the way you want it to so what will happen is It'll be fine. And then if you're traveling and you hot, cold, and then I'm moving in it, and then all of a sudden an arm will fall off. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, but the positive is if you drop it, they don't break. The they arm don't. just comes off right. or, or the yeah. leg or whatever. And you just put, you just super glue it back on and you're, you're good to go. Um, so yeah. yeah. The soft plastic is, is very bendy. Yeah. I remember when I first met Mike, um, one of the first games we played, uh, we played at a game store a few times, and then at one point, I, like I went to his house and played a game, and um, I don't remember who knocked the mini off the table, but one of us knocked like one of his stormtroopers off the table, and I just kind of like stumbled backwards, and I literally stepped on it, and like this was me coming from Games Workshop, where yeah. like I'm super anal about everything. I, I I was mortified. I'm like, like oh crap, what did I just do? No, no, no. I picked no, up no. my foot. And I looked at the stormtrooper and it was like completely fine. (laughs) Like literally nothing had happened to it. (laughs) Like I was wearing, I was wearing boots, you know, like I stepped like full force on a hardwood floor on the stormtrooper and it just went like, like it's totally fine. I'm like, Oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, soft plastic. (laughs) I I've said this. I for sure on this cast, but that was one of the like, reasons why i loved legion in the beginning so much because i came from same as you from fantasy warhammer and and i was just like oh man like i you know high elves with all their little sticky you know oh my god like i was breaking stuff all the time dropping it it shattered good luck getting it back together you know what i mean and then the soft plastic i'm like literally throwing vader across the room and like nothing's happening and i'm like I'm invincible. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was one of the things that I liked the least about Legion coming yeah. from because the model quality is so much lower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you got to do things like straighten the lightsabers with, you yeah. know what? Let's talk about that because that All is right. part of assembly. Um, one of the problems with soft, soft plastic is it's not rigid, right? That's why it's yep. called soft plastic. So, yep. Sometimes when you're talking about like a stormtrooper or a rebel trooper, if you know, you're not going to notice as much if something is just a little bit bent out of shape. But if you've got like Vader or Luke and their lightsaber is not perfectly straight, 
that annoys the crap out of me. And I definitely had with both Luke and Vader a lightsaber that was not straight. Um, so basically, what you have to do is run it under hot water to like loosen it up a little bit. Yep. Bend it. Have like a have like a glass of ice water nearby when you do this. Bend it to where you want it to go. Hopefully, in a way that is straight, and then like immediately stick it in the ice water. Yep. So. Um, I think they even put out like instructions on this when Legion first came out because it was such a common problem. Yep, they sure did. Um, the other thing you could do, of course, if you have like a Clone Wars core set, you probably have one or more extra Grievous arms. Um, just chop off the hard plastic lightsaber and stick it on. <laughs> yeah, you can do that uh, too. Stick it on wherever the soft plastic lightsaber is and then but you have just, yourself a straight lightsaber. Yeah, so. but just be prepared that that's going to be something you need to keep an eye on for the rest of that model's life especially if you're putting it in and out of foam oh yeah like don't put that in foam because it will just snap off yeah um and it's probably too thin to pin yeah um which we we've i think we've actually have we talked about pinning pinning. yeah Yeah, so we don't need to talk about pinning again when dark Um, troopers came out we definitely covered it part of assembly obviously but so Go back to whatever hobby episode that is if you want to know about pinning. Yep. But basically, you put a metal rod in between the two pieces of plastic and then glue them over the metal rod so they stay that way. Um. All right. Uh, anything else on soft plastic? Mm, no. Okay. Hard plastic. Uh, yep. If your stuff comes on a sprue, which is one of these... One of these bad boys. Um, that's hard plastic. So, uh, you're gonna need to clip your things off, and then you're gonna need to stick them together. Um, clipping things off. Step one, obviously. Uh, so, actually, not necessarily step one. What? I have heard of people painting stuff on the sprue. Have you heard of this, Jay? I've tried it. Um, I think last time we talked about painting, I said that I was going to try on the sprue painting. Yeah. I hated it. But yeah, I did it. I've tried it too. I also hated it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that some people like it because it allows you to really get like every nook Mm -hmm. and cranny. Yep. Particularly for minis that are holding like rifles or something like right up to their chest. Um. You can also just do it in stages, like for my Space Marines who have those uh, Aquilas right there, the the Eagles right there on their chest. I used to just like not glue the arm on and then paint the Eagle and then put everything together and then paint the rest of the mini. There are ways to do that that, where you don't have to paint it on the sprue. If you're one of those people that paints stuff on the sprue and you like it, great, more power to you. I guess you do that before you do all this other stuff. You're doing great. Yep. I didn't like it because once you clip the clipping points, you have a gray section of mini that you need to paint over anyway. Yeah. Well, Um, I've tried, yeah, I've tried like, I've done just prime on the sprue, then assemble, then paint. I hated that because it was just like, I in the process of like cutting them off the sprues, I'm chipping the paint. Like if I'm not like real careful, Um, not only where the sprue is connected, but also you know, wherever the clippers, you know, may have gotten. And then, or if I, if I didn't clip it right and I go to sand it down or, or to like clean it up, I, I accidentally like get somewhere else. And now, uh, well, now I just got to repaint this whole section. Like, what was I doing? Like, why did I even do this? Yeah. Before airbrush, I used to prime on the sprue 
because sometimes it would frustrate me when I couldn't get that black primer yeah. like yeah. all the way into some part of the mini just because I couldn't get to it. Now with an airbrush, I've noticed that's like less of an issue. Yeah. Um, because I can just I can get to all the places I need to get to. Um, but yeah, I I see the personally I see the reasoning for priming on the sprue. No, I get um, it. But yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know we've all been there, right? With like a rattle can. Yeah. And then you're like, oh yeah, I'm done. And you walk in the house, and then you realize the whole bottom of it is still gray, and you're like, son <laughs> of a, like ah oh, god. Yep. And then you go back out, you know, and like, yeah, no, ever. I think that's probably the difference too, right? Is I moved to priming with the airbrush now, yeah. so I'm like, nah, I don't even I think, really think about that as much anymore. Like, you know, yeah. If you rattle can, I think you there's still a strong argument from priming on the sprue just to make sure you get good coverage. Yeah. But, yeah. Um. All right. So clipping. Can I say something real quick about rattle yes. can? Re- sure. Real quick. Real, real quick. Yep. You do not have to buy the army painter or citadel $20 primers. Okay. Listen to me real closely, everyone. You can go get, let's see, you could get Rustoleum. You can get, uh, I would do the Rustoleum one. That's the one I like the best. It has to say bonds to plastic and you get the two X more Rustoleum bonds to plastic, the black it's, it goes on real smooth. Uh, it's like $3 versus 20 um and i like it a lot so i have i have tried the non-miniature based rattle cans i i didn't personally not like them but it's also been a while since i've primed anything with a rattle can so um i will say with the rattle cans in general whether you're using the miniature branded ones or not make sure you check your weather (laughs) because um if it's too humid, if it's too dry, if it's too cold, if it's too hot, um, and you're priming something, like you can cause some permanent damage basically yep. to your miniatures. Uh if if the all that stuff is not where it needs to be. So make sure you're like checking the weather. I ruined like an entire batch of minis one time when it was just too humid and I yep. I primed all of it and like they, they were fuzzy. <laughs> and I was like well, what do I do now? I guess I have to like strip all these fuzzy orcs that I have and start over. And I tried to strip them, and it like primer is hard to strip properly. Um, you know, yep. I, d- I did the simple green, I did the purple power, I did the stuff from AutoZone. Like none of it worked. So yeah. ultimately, I ended up like not using those minis anyway. Uh, so I guess that problem sort of worked itself out. <laughs> but um, yeah, make sure that you. If you're using a rattle can, make sure the weather is correct for what you're doing. So, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I I live in a particularly nasty place for yep. for spray painting. We always have a high humidity. Six months out of the half the year is winter, basically where, I, where I'm at. You know, so it's uh yeah. I that's one of the reasons why I switched to uh just priming with the airbrush because it was like, ah, oh, dude, I can't like wait for a not rainy snowy day oh okay it's sunny ah man the humidity's way up oh god you know like it's so yeah airbrushes if you can if you have the means you know otherwise yeah and that's a whole another world basically yeah we're talking about no i get you though i mean it's hard to talk about priming without talking about airbrush which is 
both a whole nother whole nother level of difficulty and also like an easy button once you figure it out yep um it's like sorcery basically yep yeah uh okay um clipping stuff off the sprue you're gonna want to use sprue clippers please do not try and cut things off the sprue with a hobby knife or a razor blade you will cut yourself you will cut the mini in places that you do not want to cut the mini um or wire clippers i tried that wire clippers either yeah. Way early on, uh, when I first started in the hobby, when I was just a young lad, I grabbed a pair of my grandfather's uh, wire clippers. I was like, oh, this looks exactly like what they were using at the hobby store. And no, it is not. They're much larger. <laughs> yeah. Besides besides the size, the other primary difference is you'll notice if you can see on the YouTube here, these sprue clippers, they're perfectly flat on one side. Yeah. yeah. Um. Whereas if you just go get like wire cutters or something, you know, they're going to be, they're going to have like a, a peak. Like, yep. um, so sprue clippers are perfectly flat on one side. So you put the flat part up against the mini. So they're, you're actually getting like a clean cut. You might still need to go in there with like a sanding block or a nail file or a hobby knife and kind of trim off. Like there might just be a little bit left from that connection point still that you have to like carefully trim off. Um, but that's much easier to do once it's off the sprue. Yep. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're going crazy trying to get B ones off the sprue, <laughs> some guy ages ago when the clone Wars starter came out, was just posting like horror stories. I remember of trying to put B ones together. He's like, I'm cutting my fingers. Like, how do I get these off? Like yeah. I chopped, I chopped this B ones arm in half. It's like, well, you're using sprue clippers. They're like, what's sprue clippers? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> The dude was trying to use an exacto knife. He was trying to use like scissors. Like it was, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next, glue. So we talked about super glue. Super glue yeah. does, of course, work on hard plastic. I uh, have an anecdote for this, Kyle, and I've okay. come around. Have you come I, around to the plastic glue? I have. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent in on plastic glue now. Uh, all right. But no, I, I mean. Here was my reasoning. Okay. And I used to do this with Warhammer too. This is not something that from a hard plastic or soft to hard plastic issue I was having. But when you use soft plastic, we're going to talk about this, but it melds basically like fuses the pieces together, right? Which is great. When when you use plastic glue. When you use hard plastic. Yeah, yeah. on hard plastic. Yes. Sorry. Uh, It like fuses things together, which is great. Yeah. But my experience and i'm a dropper yeah i'm a dropper uh-huh. and so my experience has been when i used plastic glue especially in warhammer uh and i dropped something it would break in a place i made that was even worse than you know an an arm socket or something right, right. and so for the longest time uh when when legion moved over to hard plastic i was still using super glue because and kyle used to yell at me and i'd be like yeah but when i drop it its arm just comes off and i could just grab the arm and i could just super glue it back on and move on with my life you know um but yeah it's it was a lot harder to super glue those together and uh you don't get a great fit you get a bunch of other problems even though you can super glue it back on you get sticky fingers yep. yeah all, all that stuff so i've just moved right to hard pl- to the to the plastic glue now yeah so the benefits of super glue are primarily that it dries faster um the drawbacks you mentioned several of them uh yeah. when i use super glue on 
well, a lot, anything really, but especially on the hard plastic models, which tend to have smaller connection points is I stick my fingers together. Yep. Yep. I stick my fingers to other things. I stick to my the fingers model. to the model. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, and then as you noted, the whole point of plastic glue is that it, you get a stronger bond because it literally melts the plastic into the other plastic. Yep. Um, so you can use super glue if you want, you know, it's, Certainly, like more replaceable than trying to use something besides hobby clippers to get the model yep. off the sprue. Um, I prefer plastic glue. There are lots of different brands. Uh, the bottles often look like this. This is the Citadel one, but um, yeah, it is specifically like designed to glue hard plastic together. Yeah. Um, it does not dry as fast as no. super glue, which is the primary drawback. Usually, though, I've found at least with the Citadel stuff. It dries quickly enough that it will kind of stay in place yeah. once you stick it together. Um, just bear in mind that it's not like fully set. So don't be doing stuff with, you know, you glue an arm on. Don't be like using that arm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It's but it's a lot faster than I remember it being. So the, yeah. the formula must have, you know, they must have just made better version of it. Because it's, yeah, it's been a lot faster than I remember. Yeah. I also... I'm an impatient man, but a young kid, I was even more impatient. So, you know, I'm sure that yeah. had something to do with it. Too. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I like about the plastic glue with hard plastic minis is, you know, a lot of miniatures in Legion are holding rifles or other things in their hands where they're holding it with two hands. But of course, those are two separate, sometimes right. three separate pieces. Um. And the plastic glue allows you to kind of like, like stick everything together and then move it around a little bit mm -hmm. while it's stuck together uh, to the position that you want because it's not fully set immediately. So like you can, you know, if you've got one arm that has the arm and the gun, and then you've got the other arm that's like, you know, from the shoulder to the wrist joint that connects to the gun, you can glue the arm that has the gun on it first, you know let that set for 10 to 15 seconds and then glue the other arm on, glue the wrist together and then, you know, hold it where you want it or move it around um, without having to, like, if you'd done that with super glue, you'd need to know exactly where that first yeah. arm went yeah. <laughs> before you, before you actually glued it on. Whereas you can kind of fiddle with the fit a little bit with plastic glue. So yeah, use, use plastic glue. Would be here is uh, though. I, here's the other thing. With super glue, if you if you accidentally get it on the model somewhere else, you generally can either you can wipe it off quick if you're quick, right? Yeah. Um, or if it dries, you can kind of scrape it off with the edge of the blade, right? If you get plastic glue somewhere where you don't want it, um, you need to get it off really quick. And if you don't, you're in big trouble because it's gonna start melting that that plastic. Mm -hmm. It will, yeah. It could potentially mar the detail a little bit. Yep. Um, well, it gets it glue. It gets the the plastic will get all liquidy, and then it'll start to like, yeah. It starts. I, I've noticed that it's not as it bad up. as it used to be. Yeah. It's still um, though. You gotta pay attention because if you, yeah, I there's definitely times I've accidentally gotten it somewhere, and then I'm like moved on, and I'm like painting other stuff, and then I'm like, uh oh, and you know, try to like wipe it off, and like the plastics like stringing off of it and i'm like oh yeah. god 
Oh God, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, you got to be a little more careful with yeah. where you put it. Yep. Uh, the one last thing with glue is um, when you are gluing even your hard plastic models to their bases, you still want to use super glue. Yes. Because the the base plastic, for whatever reason, is like a slightly different kind, um, and it's it doesn't you don't get a you don't get a good bond if you're using plastic glue. They can still kind of stick sometimes because you get like that vacuum seal, like between the foot yeah. and the base. Um, but it's not going to be as strong of a seal as if you just use super glue for that. So, yeah, still use super glue between the foot and the base, even with a hard plastic model. All right. Anything further on assembly? No, I think we covered most of everything. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, should we talk real quick about blending? Yeah, if we can, I think, can we be quick about it? It's, it's a big topic. It is a big topic. Um, but yeah, let's, we could try. I mean, there's just, there's like, what, three, four different kinds, three different kinds of blending. Yeah. So I'm specifically thinking of, all right. So let me tell you what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of the kind where you like basically mix colors on a palette and then, slowly work up a color from one to the next um wet blending yep well no that's so wet blending is where you're blending on the model um and actually sarastra does a couple of videos on this but this is where you like you you paint something that's wet like suppose all right i guess we can quickly talk about wet blending because i think that's the easiest albeit the the least yeah uh interesting looking in my opinion of the blending methods so look at this here this is actually a good example yeah um oh yeah I, I just happen to have this here this is unfortunately has a green section on it but <laughs> anyway this this random apple gift card here um for wet blending so if you can basically there's orange on one side there's greenish blue on the other and uh in the middle is like particularly at the top here is like a mix of the two right mm-hmm so when you're doing wet blending, you're going to want to add a little medium to your paint, which is, I have some right here. Um, I don't know if things other than Citadel sell this, but this is Lamian Medium from Citadel. And all it does is it makes the paint wetter. Yep. That's <laughs> literally what it does. Um, so regardless of what kind of blending you're doing, you're going to need some of this. Uh, but if you're doing wet blending, you're also, you're still going to need some. So you would just paint in the, context of this gift card here you'd paint orange on one side all the way to like you know over like 60 to 70 percent towards the other side and then while that was still wet before it was drying and hopefully it would still be wet because you used some medium um, you would then take blue on your brush and paint it from the other side uh, or you'd want to clean your brush off in between these two obviously um, paint it on the other side towards the orange side and then just kind of like swirl it around and mix it in the middle that's wet blending. Mm. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't get as like. I mean, unless you're super good at it, like Sarastra is. I have <laughs> found that it, you don't get as smooth of a transition when you do that. Um, but that's one way to do it. Um, what I do basically, I use this a lot for things that have uh, depth and texture, like clothing or skin. Um, 
like a organic stuff basically um is i will mix my colors on a palette mm -hmm. so let's use the kind the example of like a cloak right you paint the cloak with say you're doing a red cloak you paint the cloak with the darkest red you have yep you take your next darkest red and then you mix it 50 50 with the red that you just used on your palette this oh i the, see yep yeah so this is a this is a wet palette um you can see here actually i have a recent uh this looks that's right based, based on this color this actually looks like a blending attempt for skin <laughs> mm -hmm. um uh, this is a wet palette. I think we've talked about wet palettes yep. before on the show, but basically you can get these for like 10 bucks on Amazon or at Michael's or whatever. It's it's a sheet of acrylic paper on top of a sponge in a tray. Um, and this keeps your paint wet. <laughs> Why I call it a, a wet palette. Uh, and it's a great place to mix paints on. Again, you want to use Lamine Medium or some other medium um, to keep it wet while you're painting. But basically... Uh, you take two colors, you mix them 50-50, you use that, or smaller increments if you want, you use that color, and then you paint like like one level up on whatever it is that you're doing for the blend. Oh, I see what you say. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so there's, yeah, that, that I think that's feathering, technically. Is that what that's called? Okay. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you have, okay, so then there's another one called... Um, I know like a lot of people call it spit blending, but it's two brush blending. Okay. So, so basically what you do is you uh you apply the paint with the first brush. So whatever whatever the the color, you know, whatever the color is. So like what basically maybe a little bit with what you did, right? Where you put the first red on and then you put your second coat of red on. But if I, I'm going to go to the highest bright of the red and uh -huh. then come down. And then what you do is you take the second brush, which is dry and clean, has nothing on it. And you, most painters will put it in their mouth to get it a little wet, right? Okay. And then you kind of start pulling the paint down towards the other color. Okay. And then that's kind of like a, it's, called spit blending because you literally literally spit blending yeah but you know yeah. you can use water you know yeah right <laughs> that's interesting that sounds like yeah. a different kind of uh, wet blending where you're doing it like right on the model yeah it is it's like um it's like yeah it's like a combination between what you described and, and what you do and wet yep. blending like feathering and wet blending it's it's like a weird it's like a it's a little faster method of doing that, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. where, where those other two like require way more layers. It's where, a lot of steps. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly what the thing that I just described, I mostly just use that on like faces. Yeah. Um, and then if I have a, a model with like, a, that's an important model with like a cloak or something, then I'll do it on that also. Yeah. The other one I've seen uh, that's pretty cool, like on metal, um and like with weathering and stuff is is uh stipling where you basically yeah you're just like doing the dots really close together dots and you go and then mix the next color and it like creates this cool gradient like effect which is pretty sweet yeah ultimately blending is all about creating gradients right moving from one color to the next in a way that's not like super stark yep See, that wasn't that long of a topic. No, you're right. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that is, it takes a lot of practice to make it 
yeah so that you can look it can look good i've tried like the wet blending thing i've tried that repeatedly i can never get it done in a way <laughs> yeah it's seems like it looks decent but even with practice it's like it's like and if you mess up you can't go back and like no you've essentially lost access to that color as soon as you move on <laughs> so yep. um because i can never get my color mixes like 100 the same no i yeah i'm pretty good at that but yeah i know that's yeah. difficult but like um yeah it's like one of those things that um i think we've i've said this before but it, it's like like i haven't painted in a while i haven't done hobby in a while but so like whenever I end up going back to it, it there's going to be like a hundred things that I was doing the last time that I yeah. completely forgot about. And then I'm like, Oh yeah. How do I do this again? Like I look at some of my models that I've been doing lately. Like my Magna guard are really good. I was like, man, how the hell did I do that? Like those turned yep. out really good. <laughs> like look, trying to remember what I did <laughs> you know, to get them. That happens to me a lot with faces. Yeah. I look back at some of the faces I did even years ago and I'm like, man, that looks great. Like, why can't I do that again? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, and I'll have just painted somebody and I'll compare the two to each other and I'll be like, what what is what yeah. is happening here? I thought I did the same thing, but apparently not. Yeah, um, I did that with the I did the Magna Guard and then it must have been like month or two later, I, I ended up doing the um the super tactical droids and uh i was like oh yeah i got this and then the tactical droids did not even come out as good as the as the other it's like dude what the hell like <laughs> yep it's funny yep it's a familiar familiar problem yeah all right any further thoughts final thoughts no get out there and hobby yeah go go do the hobbying Catch up on your pile of shame while we wait for Gene Oceans, I guess, is the next thing. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Jay. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Stay cool, Fruit Matt.